We live in a world of dynamic cyber threats, but one thing is clear, human behavior is the most vulnerable target for attacks. Welcome to Behave by CyberSafe, the foremost cybersecurity podcast focused on human cyber risk. Organizational awareness is no longer enough, so how will your team stay protected? Be sure to subscribe to Behave on your preferred listening app for cutting edge insights into our evolving industry and stay ahead of the shift to security behaviors and human risk quantification. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Behave podcast. I'm Munya Hoto, and I'm the VP of Marketing here at CyberSafe. Uh, today, I'm incredibly delighted to be joined by Molly McLean-Sterling, um, who is the Global Security Culture Leader at Medtronic. Hello, Molly. Good to have you. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation, I have to admit. And I thought I'd start the conversation by asking you a bit of a random question. What do you do? Uh, can you describe to our audience what is the global security culture leader? And indeed, what does that mean at Medtronic? Sure. We have about 100,000 people over 150, 160 different countries. So we're responsible for really bringing them along in the journey of security, why it's important, why it will actually benefit them in their goals, in their business, in their home lives, not only just getting them to the place of being compliant, but getting them to the place of really feeling the passion and the desire behind it. Now, there's always going to be different levels of, of that passion. Not everyone's going to be an evangelist for us, but getting them somewhere in that spectrum and helping them understand the why. That's great. That's great. And just maybe give us a bit of a pricey of the journey that you've been on in your career. You know, how long have you been doing this? And, and perhaps even what drove you down this path as a career? Yeah, I actually went to school for theater. So I was a actress and a singer for a while. And then I wanted, you know, the luxuries of life, like food and shelter. So I got a temp job and, you know, weaving through different opportunities and people really taking chances on me and, and me always being really curious and asking for what else can I do? What else can I do? Is there anything else I can get my hands on? I ended up having an opportunity to join the global security office and shortly took over the awareness program. At that point, I would call it an awareness program. It was it was in existence, but, you know, it was probably at the bottom of the maturity model, the SANS maturity model. And that was about 10 years ago. So we've been wow. growing that program and changing it. And, you know, now we're, we're pretty proud of, of where we're at in terms of what I would call traditional security awareness. And we're super pumped. Sounds so nerdy, but it's true. Super pumped to go to that next level of more of the behavior change and being able to measure the risk reduction and that next phase of, of security awareness. Molly, that's really interesting. And we, indeed, we'll touch on you know, where you think the future is going uh, later in our conversation. No, but before we, 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 we rush ahead to that, um, <laughs> you mentioned that you have you know, been doing this for a while now and, yeah. and building out this program and maturing over time. You must have along the journey formed some points of view. And, and, and I think our audience, and indeed I am curious to learn, what is it that you believe about this space that most people disagree with you on? That's such a good question. And I don't know if people disagree or not necessarily, but what I think is foundational to security awareness and security in general is trust. And trust really in that human to human level of 
just that we're that we have the same idea, we have the same mission, we have the same goal, because everyone deserves to be secure. And I think really putting that at the forefront of what we're trying to do at all times is what we try to do in our program. And I don't know if other others do that. I think it's easy to get sort of sucked into phishing simulations and communications and whatever funny video you're going to put out. But at the end of the day, is it building trust? Because mm-hmm. I think that trust piece will really help naturally bring about the behavior change that we want. I really like that. I hear from a lot of kind of professionals in this space discuss this notion of trick, train, entertain as being kind of the default position or go-to. And this other world that you're describing around behavior change and trust is genuinely fundamentally visionary and also impactful and actually gets the results that the organization may may actually want to see. How have you managed that tension between moving away from trick, train and entertain to this behavior change agenda? That is maybe where I disagree a little bit in terms of moving away from that. I think it's all part of it. I just think that shouldn't be the foundation of your program. It can be Mm. a means to an end. It's one little piece of a way that you're going to get something done. Because for some groups or some cultures or some areas in the company, that might be just what they want. You know, they might be kind of into that that space and that might be the hook to get them in further to, to create that behavior change. So I think not abandoning all the things we've learned and tried and done from the past um, and bringing those along on the lessons and just adding them too. You know, I'm really excited about that ability to be able to measure behaviors. And I think that's where we haven't been able to kind of crack that nut yet in the industry. And, and that's where I think we're going. And it's super exciting to see the ability and just the, the collective mind share of, of people moving in that direction. Super interesting. And I think you're right. You've got to leverage everything we understand and have learned up until this point to be yeah. able to do the next thing and to conquer that next horizon. And I think that's fundamentally true. You, you mentioned at the beginning in your, in, your, in your introductory remarks that, you know, you're actually you know, quite a large organization. Could you give us an insight into how your team looks, how it works? And, you know, are you guys in the same place? Are you distributed? How are you actually making all of this happen? I have had such a blessing with the team I have. I mean, just to brag about them a little bit, they are they're <laughs> at the top of their game. And I am so lucky that I have a team that I do. Our security awareness, I'm putting it in quotes, you know, because it's it's beyond that. Our stakeholder engagement, security culture, we have a couple of people focused on metrics, analytics, optimization, automation, about three folks focused on really the stakeholder engagement piece. So just building that trust, helping people through understanding what our security program is about, which then helps get those behaviors in the right way. So if people are coming in like, I need help from security, I'm not sure who the heck I'm supposed to talk to. There's a hundred of you. Where do I go? What do I do? That I think is part of security awareness and security culture is to make sure that you have somebody there to take the hand of that person and lead them through that process and, and not just sort of toss them in, go talk to that person. So it's a really making sure that they they're they feel taken care of. And then I have three people that are are doing that traditional security awareness piece where they're doing an amazing ambassador program. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast we should talk about because it's so cool what they're doing. Yeah. They, not me, the phishing simulations, the training, the communication, the blog posts, all of those, you know, natural things that we're going to add on to when we start doing that behavior change piece and, and measuring and seeing 
which things are actually reducing risk. I like that. I like that. And and, and Molly, what, what what is your success criteria for for, for for a program like that? You're talking about risk reduction there, for yep. example. Do you have some main pillars that you look at when you're thinking, you know, we're really, you know, you know, we're nailing this actually. What what are those some of those things that you you use as markers of or indicators of, of effectiveness? Yeah, I think that's what we're exploring to this next for the next phase. Before it was everybody. I think everybody in the industry was measuring engagement. How many people are engaged in our program? Doesn't mean that they're actually changing their behaviors. This next mm. phase is: are we are we changing behaviors, and are those behaviors reducing risk? And so measuring that piece is really going to be the foundation of what we're looking at. I really like that. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's genuinely a paradigm shift, isn't it? Uh, the realization yeah. that actually this is about behavior change at its core. <laughs> and awareness alone and engagement alone are, are themselves not indicators. They're, they're an ingredient in behavior change. Yes. But you really yes. actually have to uh, embrace the notion and the philosophy of behavior change in order to get to that outcome that you're describing. Right. Totally. It kind of reminds me of going to the gym. If I, you know, go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, you got to work out more. I'm aware that I need to work out more, but it doesn't mean I'm going to go. If I actually start going to the gym every single morning, then that's where my behavior change and I can start seeing the results. So that's kind of the way that I describe it. No, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And in fact, I was, I was, I was doing a, a podcast, sorry, a webinar yesterday on, on influencing uh, security behaviors. And, and we yeah. use that exact same analogy, which yeah. is, you know, if you want to lose weight, you could just pray and hope and read a lot about diet <laughs> yeah. and exercise, or right. you could actually do some things. And actually consistency and habits actually yes. end up getting you to a good result. But knowledge right. alone just kind of makes you feel bad, I think. <laughs> that's, that's <all laughs> yeah. It does. yeah, right. Totally. Excellent. Um, changing track a little bit. I'm, I'm, more, sure. I'm interested in, in asking about perhaps who's inspired you or what or who has been the one thing or person that has seriously influenced uh, your time you know, working in this in this space in security? Yeah, I mean, gosh, the names are just like buzzing through my head. I would really have to say the first person that took so many people took chances on me. I mean, taking a musical theater major and, you know, having them in IT and in security and all that. Amazing. But Nancy Brainerd, who is our deputy CISO, head of cyber defense at Medtronic was the first person that gave me an official opportunity within our global security office and really helped me sort of grow up and find my way. And we, we are polar opposites. So the fact that she was able to see something in me that she thought would work within the global security office is, is I'm so thankful for. And she's a force to be reckoned with. Besides being a female, she's a in, in the industry, she's a force to be reckoned with. So she's somebody that I am grateful to know, grateful to watch, grateful to learn from. Whisk goes on. I could gush and gush. <laughs> I can imagine there are a lot of people that would say the same of you, Molly. I'm sure you've been contributing and inspiring and teaching and coaching as part of this journey that, you, that you've been on, which is super, super interesting. So. Looking forward a little bit now, in terms of where we are right now, and this is more speaking as an industry and where yeah. we need to get to, what does that look like when you kind of you describe it for yourself? And what do you think are some of the hurdles that we have to get over in kind of the security space? Yeah, I think that there's going to be certain teams and companies that are poised to jump into this next phase. And they're going to be ready and excited and have the funding and have the support and all that type of thing. And I feel for the people that are the teams of one, you know, just 
trucking along trying to do this, having started, you know, I know I have a really big, well-funded team now. I started as a team of one with a very small budget and worked it, you know, up over the years. So I will always have a special place in my heart for those teams of one. And to them, I would say, you can still do this. You're going to do it in different ways, but as long as you're focusing on the risk versus just engagement, you're going to be able to come, come along this really cool journey that everybody's going on or that we should all should all be going on. I think some of the other barriers are people sort of getting distracted with the wording or the ways that we're phrasing. Should we say human risk? Should we not? Should we, you know, be calling that? Words are important. I absolutely believe that. But I don't want it to distract so much that it's stopping us from the ultimate goal of reducing risk and keeping people secure. So those are the things that I hope don't slow us down. I like that. I like that. And you're right. You know, we can be caught in the in the semantics of it and miss the fact that actually, you know, in, from a security perspective, we're trying to get people to go to the gym and eat right <laughs> so that they can have a good outcome. Right. And actually, whatever we call it, actually, it's those things happening and realizing those outcomes that ultimately means that, you know, as individuals, they're, they're, they're better protected. And as right. an organization, you have a much more robust security posture. Can, can I ask you just as, a, as, a, as a, you know, within the context of what's happened within uh, the last few years globally, in terms of, you know, a, a pandemic and, you know, needing people to be secure in a, in a very different way uh, to when they were attending offices and all of this kind of thing. How did you guys, you know, encounter that challenge and how are you handling it going forward? I imagine you must be in a hybrid type of yeah. working environment. You know, how did that kind of really change your approach and indeed your philosophy about work? Sure. Pandemic was horrible. Awful, awful, awful. The benefit that came out of that horrid situation is that it leveled the playing field for a very large organization like us, where we have people all over, all over the world. Before you would have not necessarily your clicks, but the, the people that you would engage with more that were physically close to you in your office, sitting next to you in a cube. And you'd sort of forget about the people that were not sitting right next to you. What this did was get us on camera more with each other and made sure that everybody is having the time together. And I actually, I know there were so many challenges from a technical perspective and, you know, just our, our overall risk footprint getting bigger, you know, people being at home. From a social and cultural perspective, I think it's so much better. It allowed us to to really connect with people across the world and, and people that were already remote much more. And we learned how to do things virtually. So I think it... I, from a security culture perspective, I think it really helped, actually. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Molly, I'm, I'm conscious that you've been so generous with your time. I've got one more question for you, and this is sure. extremely random, but, but I hope you don't mind. You know, okay. you're ordering pizza. Uh, you can only choose four toppings, excluding cheese and tomato. What are you putting? What are you having? We have this great little pizza place near us that does mac and cheese pizza. Mac and cheese pizza. <laughs> mac and cheese. So it's just like, like macaroni and cheese. On top of the pizza, it's a winner. Got to try it. Uh, I think you'll be getting a lot of feedback from our audience about <laughs> that one. Uh, Molly, you've been great. Thank you so much. I've spent time with uh, Molly uh, McLean-Sterling. She is a global security culture leader at Medtronic, a large US-based medical devices company, over 100,000 people doing an amazing job uh, focused on behavior change. Molly, thank you for your time and hope to see you again on another episode of the Behave podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.